Welcome to Colin Brain versus EMCU. Hello and welcome to our second bonus episode of Colin Brain versus the MCU. God, aren't we good to you lot? Uh, yes, our first bonus episode, which as of recording has not been released yet, actually. Um, we you always slip well- into this this weird time loop thing. We never ah. know what's going on. No one knows what's going on. Feels like I'm in the quantum realm. Yeah. There's no such thing as time in, exactly. in this podcast. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Like, uploading an episode. I, I, I know I haven't even finished the intro. But even uploading an episode, I just before I went on holiday last week, I think Rob accidentally posted a, 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 an Instagram post... Yeah. about an episode that wasn't even out yet and suddenly oh. i was like have i uploaded the right episode oh and shit i didn't even know that it froze me because i'll get done editing one yeah and we same. won't be posting about that one and if i finish editing it before the next episode's out i'm lost my brain's yeah I've, i i met up with um fan of the show finn uh, recently and he was like oh, i've been listening to the podcast today and i was like i don't even know what episode came out today because <laughs> we had only we had recorded a different one the night before and shit so yeah mm-hmm. but no anyway mate sorry carry on no it's all good so yeah as i was saying uh yeah that our first bonus on the spider-man one hasn't even been released no. yet so we hope it was received well mm. um because we're going to be continuing this little mini series of episodes filling in some non-mcu related gaps for colin um this is going to be really awkward if we've since been inundated with messages telling us to focus on the mcu um have patience guys we'll get there um yeah, fuck you so, it's our podcast yeah yeah, it's our it's, podcast. I'm not charging you for this shit. Shut up and yeah. listen. Yeah, shut up, right, Jared? You've been, <laughs> you've been you told. especially. <laughs> yeah, and Finn, <laughs> don't you go moaning. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, I guess it's time I should introduce my fellow co-hosts. Uh, firstly, much like Harry Osborne at the end of this film, every time I look into a mirror, all I see is the reflection of my co-host telling me to do horrible, horrible things I haven't slept in weeks. It's Robert Trot. Rob, say hello. Hello. <laughs> that was a kind one, and- generally. That was well, nice, as far as they go. Yeah, that was quite a nice one. He's always nice, okay, to, well, nice to you. That's because he knows that if he isn't, he'll, he'll pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm appreciate we'll, it. We'll lose. We'll lose the man who's in the title of the podcast. <laughs> uh, and last but certainly not least, uh, much like Joe's Pizza, Colin always comes with a 29 minute guarantee. Um, I'm so sorry. It's Colin Brain. Colin, say hello. Oh, sorry, I was just drinking some water. Then, um, hello. Okay, how are we both? Doing all right, man. I'm tired. It's late. Yeah, well, it's, it's not yeah. crazy late, but I had an early start, and I'm sort of like just. I'm just sort of buzzing on caffeine to try and get me through, so God knows how this is going to go. The climate of this flat can only be described as muggy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Special kind of sort of swampy mm. up in here. I hope, yeah. I hope George is wearing trousers for this one, but with the heat at the moment, it wouldn't surprise me if he's I've sort of... I've got shorts on. That okay. are not boxer shorts. I've got actual shorts. How shorts? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't dare Imagine try like, <laughs> Tobias Funke... Sort of denim hot <laughs> pants. Cut-offs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, 
Yes. Uh, so the weather has been extraordinarily hot as well. Because uh, I, I just got, I spent um, throughout that mini heat wave, I guess you could You're call it. I was, one, yeah? I was in a caravan. You, you say muggy. Oh boy. <laughs> Some sweaty um, gooches going on in there. Sweaty sure. gooches. Um, I definitely needed cut off then. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lovely little breakaway. Uh, just what? Just one week, like I said, a little caravan holiday, but I got to chill, you know, not think about work for a week, which I haven't done in a long, long time. Hmm. Um, got to take my daughter to the beach for the first time, dip her feet in the ocean for nice. the first time too. Oh. All rather lovely. So um, we're recording this currently on a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. um, but if you guys have remembered, which you didn't the other day, we're actually all meeting up on Sunday, aren't we? We yeah. are, yeah. Oh, thanks for the reminder, because uh, I needed that. No worries. Um, I, I don't even know if I've told you boys what time we're watching a film. No, I was going to ask you that today. <laughs> we are watching a two and a half hour. Well, actually, no, it's almost, it's almost close to three hours. You should never tell me the time. You, oh, now I don't want to go. Now I don't no, you go. do. You do. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> it's I'm a busy, three mate. hour Sorry. long. Sorry, I'm busy on Sunday. Bollywood movie, um, which I am taking um, Rob and Colin to, uh, to the best cinema in the world, um, the Prince Charles Cinema. And yes, to see a Bollywood movie. Um, it's a film that it's got it's got itself quite a bit of popularity. And I swear, by the time this episode releases, it will be even more popular. It contains some of the most insane and over-the-top ridiculous action I've ever seen. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige... He's going to be mad if he hasn't, has already contacted the director to get involved in a Marvel project. Mm. I haven't even mentioned the film. It's called RRR, or it's Triple R. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I've seen a, um, over near where we met up with you, um, Rob, when you came over at East Finchley Station. Oh, yeah. Right outside there, there's a billboard with like three posters of maybe Bollywood films on it at the moment. And the middle one has got three R's across it. So, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, it's been getting quite a lot of buzz at the moment. So um, I, it is actually on Netflix. Is um, it? Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Huh. And I decided to pop it on the other night. And it is one of my films of the year. It's stunning. And um, luckily, the Prince Charles Cinema, who only show the best films, are showing it. So we're off to see that this Sunday. Um, so yeah, if you can, watch it on Netflix, not you boys. Um, and, but if you can as well, try and catch it on What's the, the big uh, screen. What time? what time are we saying on Sunday? Yes, yeah, sorry, it's 11am. Oh! <gasps> That's right. <laughs> oh no, there's a big, big UFC event on. on oh, I'm going to be tired, mate, because I'm doing an all nighter beforehand. So extra coffee. Oh, he leapt out of his seat. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking to myself. Oh, well, George has got to travel from Fetford to London, so it'll probably be like maybe a four, five o'clock showing in the evening. Uh, you know, early evening time. So I'll just have some sleep beforehand. But no, I'll, eleven a.m. Uh, sir. Sweet. All right. All good. This film will wake you up. I promise. <laughs> sweet. Um. So um. Before we jump into things as well. Rob does have a nickname for this week. <laughs> and apparently, I forgot to mention it in our first Spider-Man episode as well. So, um, Rob, if you could be so kind as to um, let us know, what is your Zoom name this week for, well, for both Spider-Man films? Uh, so this week, I am Dr. Otto Coctavius. Brilliant. <laughs> Classy as always. Or I like that one. Or Dr. Coctopus. Oh, no. <laughs> if you want to put it, <laughs> Doc Cock, Doc Cock, brilliant. And um, for the rather fittingly, I didn't realise there was a theme developing, but when oh, we did Spider Man, <laughs> I was J Boner Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, help us! Oh Christ! But thing right. is, you guys at home are encouraging him. Yeah, stop. Yeah, like someone actually nah, tweeted in the other day saying. 
What was Rob's nickname? Because I keep forgetting to mention it. Well, yeah. you're just not, not quite up to scratch on the hosting these days, are you, man? I uh, know. I've, I've, I've gone stale. Yeah. That's what um, the people want to hear about. <laughs> it is, apparently. <laughs> Speaking of the people, mm. I threw it out on our Twitter just before recording. I maybe should have given a little bit more notice that mm. we are recording a little episode tonight, one of our bonus episodes. And if someone, anyone wanted to tweet in maybe some questions to either all of us or just to Colin, um, and I've got a couple of questions here, boys, if oh. you wouldn't mind firing them your way. I love it. Let's go. So Mark Small wants to know, will we be discussing the MCU TV shows at any point? And when we are watching the films for this podcast, what's our go-to snack or drink? Oh. So, Mark, I'll start off by saying, yes, we are going to do the MCU TV shows, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'll throw the snack and go to drink to you boys. Well, I, I've got an answer for this. Go home, man. So if it's, a, <laughs> if it's a special occasion and I've been able to source them, I will have <laughs> a can of root beer and um, coffee nut M&Ms, which... If you've oh. not had them, I I, I think I, I get coffee lost. M and M's. Yeah, I mm. I get lost when I first tried these because it was for my lovely wife bought them for me for a birthday part of my birthday present. It was during the pandemic. Can't remember what birthday, but I genuinely got misty eyed when I tried one and went. I didn't <laughs> think over the age of thirty I'd have a new favourite sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm going for imported. If I'm having an American theme, it has to be root beer and coffee nut um, M&M's. But if those are, those aren't available, Dot Pepper, peanut M&M's. Bosh. Oh, he's on the M&M it. vibes. Okay. I love an M&M. Wow. Colin, yourself. I mean, if you'd asked me this question 10 years ago, it would have been Snickers and Dr Pepper straight up. Oh, you were a Dr oh, Pepper dude. fiend. I mean, like, I haven't had a fizzy drink since uh 2014 just because it got to the point where it was becoming a problem like it was like i was hunting down fizzy drinks if i (laughs) like you know i'd find an excuse to leave the house just so i could walk past somewhere that would sell a can of coke so i could just be guzzling it down so um yeah i've sort of i've put i've reined that in as i've gotten older but that would have been my go and snickers bar was just the one um but nowadays i mean shit it's gonna sound so boring now i love a good sparkling water Mm, that is boring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, cock. <laughs> Even Rob in the background. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what? What about when I'm watching these? I mean, I mean, I fucking love coffee. Oh, mm. um, but snack wise, it's gonna be something like kale chips, isn't it? No, I was. I was gonna say um, beetroot. Uh, no, <laughs> fuck off. I was gonna say um, like you chop up an apple and then you put some peanut butter on the slices, and okay. that's good. But okay. that's too, that's that. No one wants to hear about that shit. That's way too like popcorn. Maybe I like a bag of popcorn. Are you a sweet or salted guy? I've I've I, I used to be just sweet straight up. If mm-hmm. I if I went to the cinema, if I went to the cinema, it would be sweet. Uh, then I started getting into sweet and salty. Over yeah, the last, I love them over the last couple of years. And then recently, I was like, you know what? I might just try salted because I don't think I've ever just had salted. It's always just, and I quite like just the salt, to mm. be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So I th- feel like I'm probably swaying more towards that now. Cool. And maybe an Oreo, double stuffed Oreo. You have a, have you, I don't know if Colin's watched this. Mr. Robot. I haven't. Have you watched that show? 
I know George no. hasn't watched all of it yet. But since there's a moment where he goes to the cinema, it's like a flashback, and his dad buys a big thing of popcorn, a big thing of peanut M&Ms, and just shakes them over the popcorn and, like, shuffles them. And I really want to do that. I haven't got around to doing it yet. <laughs> but the idea of rooting through popcorn and then picking out M&Ms, yeah, it's good. I do that with I do it with Maltesers, and I got that from the film Whiplash when um, the lead character in there goes to the cinema and he sits next to his dad and his dad gets like a little bag of chocolates and pours mm. him over the popcorn too and I was like, I'm trying that and like the the sweet and salty popcorn mixed with some um, Maltesers was absolutely amazing yeah yeah um, so I'm I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm usually a popcorn guy when I watch these um, as well I, working in a cinema you think I'd be sick of the stuff but I'm not yet. Um, but I'm also a big fan of chocolate-covered pretzels for oh, the movie. Pretzels are the worst. Oh, cover them in chocolate. Yeah. Oh. Even naked, I love a pretzel. Oh. Mm. The pretzel oh, being naked. Stacey, Stacey mm-hmm. loves Me. naked pretzels. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, so we do have another question here from um, Rob Lindsay. I like these questions. This is yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. We'll yeah. try and um, do it more often. Mm. Um, so this is from Rob Lindsay, and he says, this is for all three of us. We've now met soldiers, scientists, genius billionaire playboy philanthropists, but who are our heroes, superpowered or otherwise, when we were growing up? Oh. Whose posters did we have on our walls when we were kids? Great question. Oh, that's good. That's a good question. Really lovely question. Yeah, that's nice. What was that guy's name? Uh, that's Rob Lindsay. He Rob was actually Lindsay. the guy that gave us the idea to do the um, Guardians playlist as well. Oh, good man. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. keep them coming in, man. appreciate it. Who was... <sighs> Who did I look up to as a child? Well, I can definitely tell you I had two... I can remember having two posters on my bedroom wall. Um, maybe the first two posters I put up. Lucy mm. um, And No, no, I was... No, uh, it was. It was, def- it was two females. Mm. Maybe not out of attraction. Well, one was. I'd be scared if the second one was. So the first, um, first one was Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy the Vampire. Okay. Sarah. Nice. Uh, I had her poster up on my wall. And the second one was um, from Tomb Raider 1, Lara Croft. Hmm. And very, very blocky and a weird character shape um, for PS1. But I definitely remember having her poster up on my wall as well. And um, yes, so super powered or otherwise, I guess they're both kind of definitely Buffy Summers was. Um, so yeah, they were the posters I had up in my wall for sure. What about heroes though? Like people you looked up to? That's that's a different thing. Because posters, mm, most of my childhood, I had an Ipswich Town Football Club themed bedroom. So mm. it wasn't really posters, but it was very much there was a lot of Ipswich Town Football Club crests. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a football fan anymore. So mm. I know Ipswich are doing terribly bad. So I don't need to try and rinse me about it because <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck any less. Um, yeah. Uh, let's have a think. Posters. I I have a vague memory of having a Spice Girls poster. And because I, I was big into Baby Spice, like she was, she was, uh, as a kid, like I'm, I think I may have even kissed the poster a few times, like Whoa. before bed, you know, it was one of those. Um, <laughs> so I was a Sporty Spice fella. Sporty Spice was it? I was. Yeah, yeah no, really. Um, But as, as uh, so yeah, as far as like heroes, or I don't, I don't know if I really had any heroes, but I was a big Big fan of David Blaine as a kid. 
Wow, so, yeah, of like course. That, like that would be like someone who I would obsess over, like his street yeah. magic and all of his weird... I went to like when he was hanging in the box over the Thames. I went mm-hmm. up there a couple of times from Fetford. I was there when he came out of it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't know about heroes. I mean, I was big into WWF at the time, so like the Hardy Boys were big for me. The Rock, yeah, Stone Cold, like they were the they yeah. were the dudes that I like. Look, well, I don't know about looked up to, but um, probably not the best male role models looking back now. But um, well, yeah. no, I remember every Saturday morning you smack down. Oh hell yeah, and all Sky Sports. Night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Um, see if you can guess mine. Oh, here we go. What now? <laughs> Not, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to give us like a, a clue or something. No, no, no. Um, I'm just thinking you, you particularly would probably the man I go on about something I was obsessed with as a kid. You could probably surely, guess. surely one of you guys. It's going to be like some sort of superhero, wouldn't it? Superman. Yes. Wow. Yeah, Christopher Reeve. Superman. Okay. So my earliest memory is watching Christopher Reeve as Superman in Superman 1 and 2. They were kind of indistinguishable when I was a kid. I used to just watch them both back to back. Hmm. And me and my dad watching that pretty much every weekend when I was a kid. So he was like my absolute hero. When Christopher Reeve had his accident and Mm -hmm. was um, paralysed, my... My mum actually, I got home from school. My mum had to like take me aside and explain oh. it. Like, oh. this has happened. Um, but that was my sort of biggest. And again, it sort of was the thing that got me into film, really, mm. and the magic of cinema. Like George said in one of our earlier episodes, seeing, I believed he could fly. Mm-hmm. Sure. It, it still creates something magic in me when I see it, even this many years on. So, yeah, I think Superman. Poster-wise, I had lots of posters of The Simpsons. So I mm. guess Matt Groening. I had the big, I had the big character one. Yeah, where there was hundreds and hundreds <clears throat> of characters. Yeah, I remember that one. You yeah. just reminded me. Yeah, there was some Simpsons posters up in the house. I remember, I think one one on my dad's door that had like Homer Simpson in a in a towel saying, "I'm singing in the shower, washing my butt or something." Because wasn't that, <laughs> that was like a little song in one of the episodes back in the day? Man, how good was early Simpsons when you were a oh, kid? Don't. Jesus oh. Christ. Talk about yeah. nostalgia. Incredible. Yeah. Stunning. What about you, um, George? You said the posters, but what about like people that you kind of looked up to or, or like, I don't really heroes know. or idols or something? I think Superman was definitely up there. Um hmm. used to love like um wrestlers as well. I, yeah. I had you say the Hardy Boys, I think it for me it was the is it the Dudley Boys or the Dudley You're Brothers the or something like that? Well, oh I was a massive fan Devon. of the Dudleys. Get the table. Yeah, I love Get the, the tables, yeah. loved it. <laughs> Let's um, be real, the TLC matches when it was like the Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, I think. Always classics. Woo! Yeah. Something else. Um but also, like uh, musicians, I really I like I, even from a very very young age. I can always remember just constantly listening to Queen and mm. Um, mm. Freddie Mercury really being on on a pedestal for oh, sure. Yes, um, that greatest hits album. Yeah, that exactly. Was, uh, on yeah. rotation a lot in my house. Yeah, I, I just I, I've got so many memories of it being played in the house and um, going for trips with the family. It was always on in in the car as well and things like that on little tape and things like that. So, yeah, in terms of yeah, music as well, that was a massive influence. It, Same. Yeah, my dad my dad's CD collection was a big. I mean, it's not like a hero or an, you know an idol, but a lot of the music that I, I listen to now, even now, was from that CD collection for sure. Some great shit. Cool. So a couple of good questions there. Uh, I will Very do good. some more. Um, maybe our next 
proper episode or maybe the bonus. Might stick it just to the bonus. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, the plan is always to keep these episodes rather short and sweet. Uh, it didn't work <laughs> with the first episode. It might not work with this one either. So if you don't mind, uh, shall we jump straight into the intro before jumping headfirst into the deep dive? Let's go. Let's go. Do man, it. Yeah. Let's do this. So. Uh, as mentioned previously in our Spider-Man episode, uh, the first film broke tons of box, box office records, uh, had an opening of $115 million just in the States alone. Pretty much the Monday after it opened, um, <clears throat> Sony Pictures greenlit Spider-Man 2 and announced it publicly that it would be released in just two years' time. So that's pretty tough to do. That's two mm. years to write a script, and design the film, shoot it and edit it. Uh, it's unheard of nowadays. So a screenwriter was immediately hired, uh, a writer by the name of Michael Chabon. He was known to be more of like a screenplay polisher in Hollywood, uh, even though he had like a successful career as a novelist. Um, his draft hit the desk of Sam Raimi in September 2002, but this draft uh, had Doc Ock um, as the villain, but he was much younger in this script, around the same age as Peter Parker. It was also revealed that Octavius was actually the creator of the genetically altered spider from the first film. Uh, th and in this film as well, the fusion in his tentacles was slowly killing him, and he wanted he wanted Spider-Man's blood and spine, thinking it would cure him. Uh, also, I guess you could call it a subplot, even though it does drastically change the film. Harry Osborn and the Daily Bugle put out a $10 million price on Spider-Man's head, which meant that every time Spider-Man is out saving people in New York, he has to also put up with some of the citizens actually trying to fight him himself too. Um, a returning Sam Raimi didn't love the script, so he hired say, a guy. He had to shake your bon bon, shake your bon bon. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, you could say that, of course. Um, so what he did do was hire uh, a fella named Alvin Sargent, who was known for creating screenplays pretty much all of his life. Um, I think he was around eighty years old at this point, pretty much retired. But Sam Raimi managed to get him to come in and do another draft of the script this time. Uh, but Raimi this time gave some instructions uh, to Alvin Sargent. This time he said uh, he wanted to explore Peter's positive and negative aspects of his his chosen path to remain a Spider-Man and to have the film ultimately ending with Peter figuring out how to be happy as this heroic figure. Raimi also gave Alvin Sargent copies of the Spider-Man storyline or drafts of, of comics uh, entitled If This Be My Destiny from 1966. And he also gave him a series of comics from 1967 entitled Spider-Man No More. Uh, he also said that Doc Ock should remain as the villain for this film because he was definitely the most visual villain uh, for Raimi and he felt that he could maybe have a lot of fun with that but also felt like he was a good physical match for Peter Parker too. Now, considering this was all happening around 2000-2001, it shows just how long I have been a bit of a nerd uh, because I can actually remember reading about this next part. So Toby Maguire had been suffering from a pre-existing back condition for a while now. And around a year before filming, it had become pretty unbearable, which actually led to him backing out of Spider-Man 2. So this led to one hell of a panic 
at Sony Pictures, who kind of begged for Maguire to come back. They even said they're happy to delay the film in order to allow him to get some help and recover. He still said no, which actually led to Sony Pictures hiring and officially announcing that playing Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2 would be Jake Gyllenhaal, who at that time only had a couple of films to his name at that point as well. Now, we don't know the ins and the outs, really, uh, but obviously this never came to fruition. But what we do know is that Maguire at one point set up a meeting with Sony Pictures. He att- This was after they actually had hired Jake Gyllenhaal as well. Uh, he attended this meeting with his then-girlfriend's father, who happened to be Ronald Meyer. He was the head of Universal Studios and walked out of this meeting with a new $17 million salary and was Peter Parker again. So to be a fly or spider on the walls, um, we will never know actually quite what happened in that meeting. Hmm. But whilst this was all being done, at the same time they were casting Doc Ock as well. So four actors came in to speak for the part. Those actors being Ed Harris, Chris Cooper, Christopher Walken and (laughs) Alfred Molina um obviously being announced um in February 2003 that Molina had been cast and immediately underwent quite a bit of physical training as Sam Raimi requested he bulk up for the role they even actually designed a new camera for this film it was eventually called the spider cam it allowed like the filmmakers to express more of a view of of spider-man's view of the world whilst he's out swinging around new york this camera they could drop it from like 50 stories and every single one of its movements were controlled by like motion control meaning someone didn't have to drop out of these buildings with the camera too and then using the footage they shot from this camera by literally swinging this camera in and around the skyscrapers of New York, they could then superimpose Spider-Man on top of those images. I'm now realizing this maybe could have been my trivia, but never mind. We'll keep going. (laughs) Um, And so uh, somehow uh, on time and on budget, Spider-Man 2 opened on June 30th, 2004. It grossed $40.4 million on its first day, beating the original film's first day of 39.4. It was said that that record would be unbeatable. That's $44.4 million, no, $40.4 million in one day. Well, just one year later, almost to the day, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith opened to $50 million, an extra $10 million on top of that. But Spider-Man 2 also became the quickest film ever at that point to reach $200 million. Uh, it broke the record for the biggest Wednesday of all time, the biggest Monday of all time. Um, that The biggest Monday of all time, they actually held that for quite a while. That was only just beaten in 2015 with yet another Star Wars film, that being The Force Awakens. And so with like another hit on their hands, Sony did exactly the same. And just days after its release, it greenlit Spider-Man 3 again to come out in exactly two years time. Although that one didn't go anywhere near as smoothly as the previous two next time, baby. Uh, So uh, which brings us to the question that luckily I'm nowhere near as nervous to ask in these bonus episodes. I, I can, I, I, I'm terrified every time I ask you this question, but this time in the bonus, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite chilled about it. Uh, Colin, what did you think? I really, really enjoyed this one. It's a good one. Isn't it? Like, this is, <laughs> this is good shit. Like I, I enjoyed this a lot. 
This made me feel like a kid again watching this one. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So boom, good. Boom. Um, Rob, how was this rewatch for you? Uh, these rewatches were very good because I watched it oh. three times <laughs> <laughs> with three different audio commentary you are insane sir so yeah we were actually that trumpet's meant to... going to be going mad for the oh, next hour i'm so gonna be guys i'm gonna be turn good. your volumes down yeah. after ruining georgie's trivia the last bonus one with my tirade of them i'm i'm still i'm i'm curating them i'm picking out you must have a lot to choose from yeah yeah, yeah. there was there was a commentary with sam raimi toby Maguire, avi arad who we may get to a bit of a interfering producer mm-hmm. as uh, i've heard uh a co-producer grant curtis who's worked for a lot of um sam raimi stuff and it was recorded when the movie opened in um 2004 wasn't it i think yes there was that there was a technical one that was all about like how they did many of the effects mm. and stuff like that and there was another one for the extended edition of the film which is called Spider-Man 2 Cash Grab. I mean, Spider-Man 2.1, <laughs> which has eight minutes of additional footage, which um, maybe we'll get into later if, if those particular scenes linked to it come up. But um, Yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's great, isn't it? let's be honest. Who does the commentary in the third one? So it's uh, Laura Ziskin, who's another one of the producers, and I believe it's Grant Curtis again. I mean, they don't do Blu-rays like this anymore, boys. No. The, <laughs> I used the to amount love of features. Do they even yeah. still release things physically on Blu-ray? Yeah. yeah. They do, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But I yeah. think what is impressive as well, to really dial down into the physical media nerdery, because we got time, is um, <laughs> on each of those commentaries, you can have them with either the subtitles for the film or the subtitles for the commentary. Sometimes you don't get either on really? newer Blu-rays. Mm. Yeah. Ah, see, I'd, I'd want the subtitles for the commentary. Yeah, I was much, Im- I was much impressed by the yeah, Spider-Man 2 Blu-ray. Good. Um, so, yeah, like I said to you, Colin, this film is a bit of a beast. Um, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed our rewatch of the first Spider-Man a few weeks back. Me too. Um, Me but, too. you know, it, it, this takes everything that worked in that film and just elevates it here. Dude, um, how, how frequently is a sequel better than the first? This might be better than the first one for me. Oh, I think it is. I think it is, right? Yeah. But that's, that, that's, that's not that common, where the sequel outweighs the first. I mean... I don't it, think it is. It's, it's not it's, in my history of Yeah, no, it is anyway. rare. It happens sometimes, but it's Terminator rare. Yes. Oh God, we could be here all day. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> this is turning into the longest bonus episode ever. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I said, it just takes everything from that first film and just elevates it. They managed to also pack a hell of a lot of drama into this film. I mean, damn, do they put Peter Parker through the ringer in this one? And um, yeah. spoilers for the deep dive, but it also contains genuinely what I think may be the best fight scene in any comic book movie. It's such a confident movie as well. Those initial like record breaking weekends and box office, you could only imagine what that does to you like as an actor or as a director. So everyone's going into this knowing they can make a good film. They really try and top themselves with a sequel and I think they do it. So shall we go into a little bit more detail? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do this. So, Two years after becoming Spider-Man, Peter Parker is estranged from both his love interest Mary Jane Watson and his best friend Harry Osborn. 
and discovers that his Aunt May is also facing eviction. He finds himself also suffering temporary but recurring losses of his powers, often in life-threatening situations. So we'll stick to some of the big questions here first. So, Colin, much like the first one, Mm. how was Toby Maguire in this for you? Um, Was his heart in this as much as the first, or was he just in it for that $17 million payday? No, I think his heart was in this one, man. I think, like you said a minute ago, everything sort of dialed up a few notches on this one, and... I tell you what, the, that yeah, that young little guy that I saw in what's it Civil War a couple of weeks back, he's got some big boots to fill after watching this one because <laughs> Toby Maguire is my Spider Man. He Ooh, is my Spider Man. Yeah, so okay. we've got to see how that changes over the over time. I don't care that he's too old for the character mm-hmm. in terms of you know, but he was so good in this. He's very very good in this. You're also the only person in the world that refers to today's current Spider Man as that little fella. Like he's a household name now, and I love it that he's yeah, that but little I don't, fella to I'm, you. I'm I'm just not. I'm, I, love I don't it. keep up with. I remember I went and saw. Um, is it June or Dune? I don't June, know. How yeah, you're yeah, yeah. It. Mm. And I remember saying to you like that was great, and you're like, you do realize that most of the guys in that are like big Hollywood stars, and I'm like, I didn't know who any of them were. <laughs> I just enjoyed the film. Like I, I do not keep up with that anymore. It's crazy. So yeah, good. that little fella's got some work to do in my eyes. I agree. Rob, what about you? Does he fulfil the potential shown in that first movie? I think so. I like Colin said, everything he does is much more confident, and um, I think because Sam Raimi's more confident to really put it peter through the ringer oh yes i think that adds to it every because he's dialing everything up it, it allows uh toby Maguire to sort of lean into things more mm-hmm. and it makes it so much more comic book and so much more yeah interesting i think yeah i completely agree uh i think um toby Maguire. yeah i i i mean in full agreement with you boys i think he's great in this you know i did say in the first one that he was maybe too slightly too old for the role colin you said it doesn't bother you at all um obviously with it being set just two years later i'd kind of say that remains the same you know thank god they've moved away from all that high school business and stuff like that and mm. he's clearly at like college or university now even though he's still clearly way too old yeah and yeah, there's that yeah. moment after the train fight scene yeah. where he's unconscious and doesn't have his mask on and it's you know it's a wonderful yeah. sequence and it's a wonderful yeah. moment but that one guy is just like he's just a kid he's just this a boy, clearly yeah. a middle-aged man just laying yeah. there <laughs> surrounded by everyone else um but yeah, he's very good in this uh he takes he takes things to 11 at times and mm-hmm. definitely gives us some good meme material um, pizza time but Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yet again, like that moment in the train sequence where he's trying to hold onto the webs, you know, in an effort to try and stop the train. How he didn't give himself an aneurysm filming that scene, I have no idea. Um, yeah. There's also that moment, you know, towards the end, in the, I think in the end fight scene where it looks like Mary Jane is going to be like seriously hurt or killed and um, screams her name and Raimi for a choice i guess decides to do this extreme close-up on toby Maguire's face and he really goes for it in that moment yeah. there um it feels like i'm shitting on his performance i'm definitely not i think he's great just maybe not nuanced i'd say but the film I'm, isn't trying to be nuanced no i think with sam raimi directing it it just works mm-hmm. like it's it's a great combination yes sam raimi's just so good at pulling that stuff off where for for me anyway, it doesn't make me cringe mm-hmm. in the way that a lot of films do when they try and hit those sort of 
well th- those marks I guess um, well, Rob, I don't know what it is about him yeah, but no, he's just Rob's got touched a way it, of touched on it as well it's sort of that co- it's, a, it's a comic book movie mm. and it's that comic book style so you know when performances are dialed up to like 11 um, it doesn't matter because he, Raimi is clearly doing things with the camera as well like there's that yeah. moment um, with J. Jonah Jameson and um, we'll get on to him later as well when Spider-Man steals the mask from his um, yeah, yeah, yeah. he does that thing where he looks up to the camera yeah, oh yeah. get you Spider-Man in yeah, any other yeah, film yeah. you'd be like oh what's going on here but oh. Raimi's having so much fun with the material that, 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 that moment he shakes his fist and then Spider-Man <laughs> swings through the front page of a newspaper and he's swinging through the city and then it's revealed that he's in the reflection of Doc Ock's glasses. Ah. <laughs> as as a, like a five to ten seconds of film that is ridiculously amazing. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, so good. Um, so Harry Osborne, he's now head of Oscorp's Genetic and Scientific Research Division. He's now sponsoring a fusion power project by nuclear scientist Otto Octavius, who befriends and mentors Peter. Um, so, yeah, James Franco returning as Harry Osborne again. Colin, does he improve upon his performance? Did they do Harry Osborn justice in this sequel? Yeah, I mean, he he definitely didn't. I don't think the improvement was so much shown in James Franco's performance as opposed to like Kirsten Dunst for me as MJ and mm-hmm. and Tobey Maguire and uh, even oh the woman who plays Aunt May. I thought yeah. she kind of turned up nicely in this one, mm-hmm. but it's, he's still cool. I, I don't really think I've got any sort of criticizing thoughts on his performance but to me he wasn't really the 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 sort of focal point throughout the film he was just there in the background and obviously what happens at the end mm-hmm. so you can always tell that there's that brewing thing happening for um, sure but yeah i i he, he wasn't the highlight let's put it that way for me okay same to you rob yeah i agree there's he's like you can tell they're sort of filling for yeah. now and building on stuff for, you know, next time, baby. Yeah, there was a lot of that, yeah. But I think there's a few moments that don't work for me with him. He's, I think he's perfectly fine. But then, like, early on at his birthday party, there's this bit where he's sort of chatting to Peter, and he's one minute, he's like, happy birthday, buddy. And then we're almost in a jump cut. He's like, where's fucking Spider-Man? Yeah. He's like, you know, she still loves you. And then two seconds later, he's like, like your friend, the bug. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's like my birthday, mate. Exactly. <laughs> give, give me a rest. <laughs> you did. But um, yeah, he definitely gets some opportunities to dial it up to 11 as well. Like when he, especially mm. in that moment where he introduces him to um, Otto and uh-huh. he does the whole... Um, the Nobel Prize. <laughs> it's, it's like, sort of just dials it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, kind I, of a thankless task, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, my notes are very similar to yours. I, I, you know, I don't think it's a secret that James Franco, you know, isn't the greatest actor in the world. You know, but, you know, like you've mentioned here, Rob, towards the beginning of the film, when he's clearly playing like the rich playboy, you know, almost like a Bruce Wayne figure in a way, I thought, Oh, I don't think this performance is quite working. I thought I, he's playing it too smug, maybe too broad. But then I realized, like, maybe not. But if this is done on purpose, it kind of works perfectly. Because Harry 
in this film is essentially a scared kid in in shoes that are way too big to fill. Mm. And as much as he can try and play up all of this this bravado, we know he's, he's like a duck on the water, essentially. You know, he's playing it as cool as possible. Um, but you look a little closer, he's paddling as if his life depended on it. Um, you know, and in a way, almost the opposite to Tobey Maguire here. I think he does like the smaller, more intimate stuff better you know when the script or the you know the film requires him to play it big i can kind of see the seams in his performance i think but then he really nails some of the smaller moments like there's this one part where he tells doc ock to go get spider-man and you know Mm -hmm. go through peter parker to do it and he's so like consumed with with revenge he doesn't initially realize that he he's also putting his best friend or supposedly best friend in danger and just as Doc Ock is sort of vanishing from sight. He says, don't hurt Peter. I think yeah. he plays that moment quite wonderfully for me. I, I did I did like him in that moment. And Doc's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just loves the car. Up. He's off. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, talking of, I'm sure we'll get to that moment, but it, there, there's a few bits of nonsense in this film that <laughs> I generally forgive because it's so well done. You just, you're having so much fun. You just go with it. But for example, when you said he's on the train and um, Toby Maguire's brothers in yes. their little cameo go, we found this. Where? Yeah. <laughs> he threw that off on the top of the train <laughs> about, you know, God knows, about 30 mile down the road. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then there's, um, so Doc Ock is going to, right, what I need to do, he knows where Spider-Man is. I'm going to get some information out of Peter Parker. How should I go about it? Let's just blindly lob a car through the window at him. Yeah. <laughs> While he's having a coffee. Which just skimmed <laughs> his face, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's lucky he was Spider-Man, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> that is Christ. a bad plan. <laughs> You're not getting much information from him, are you? <laughs> There's a few bits like that, but I generally... One more. I just remembered one more. <laughs> and Doc Ock, you know, this... Um, amazing scientist and um peter i have taken every step this has been my life's work he makes this whole thing of like the arms um you know they i control them they don't control me and they're non-magnetic right (laughs) a key point he points out does the experiment in a massive room surrounded by metal (laughs) and (laughs) doesn't for a second that's probably not a good idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah what genius this guy is (laughs) so colin let's talk the villain then so alfred molina as dr octopus how does he rank against willem dafoe for example well that's two very strong villains in a row yeah both very strong but i think very different at the same time i think willem dafoe was great but he definitely was on the sort of hammier side and he had a lot more of those moments. I, lo- I, lo- I did really enjoy him in it. But this dude was better, in my opinion. Mm. I think like um, the scene when he has dinner with, with Peter Parker, mm. like went before, before it all kicks off, yep. and he's just, he just seems like a lovely person. You, know? mm-hmm. like, you see this human side of him, which I think is something that a lot of these films don't tend to show a lot of in the villains. You don't get to yep. see him like that. Mm-hmm. And also, like just talking visually that villain the arms like the 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 sort of creativity that you can then have in the action sequences i just think like as far as villains go he's up there for me (laughs) 
I, 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 if I had one, one piece of criticism, it would be that I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the kind of back and forth between, you know, <clears throat> where he's. But then I was thinking, but that's kind of what Willem Dafoe was in the first one. Yes. Mm, so it's true. like, is it? Would it have been too similar if they lent into that a bit? Mm. But. But that would be if I'm really trying to pick something negative to say. I thought he was fantastic um, as an actor. I thought, yeah, I, I don't really have much bad to say about it. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, what, Rob, what about you? What's your thoughts on Otto Octavius? I agree wholeheartedly with Colin. In those early scenes where he's having dinner and he is talking about love and he's this sort of image of what Peter Parker wants. He wants to be able to settle down and pursue his scientist interests. And here's someone who's kind and, you know, the whole, he says, you're brilliant, but lazy. That mm. whole stuff, that whole scene is brilliant because he's so charming, like you said. Yep. That you really feel it when he becomes the monster. Yeah. Like you, the difference being that Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborne wasn't the best guy beforehand and it dialed him up to the next level. Mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I, I love that Sam Raimi is sort of obsessed with these sort of tragic monsters. I can, I can bet he loves the film Frankenstein. Oh yeah. I, sure. I, I put money on it because he, he's obsessed with that. Yeah. I think it also adds like another layer to Peter Parker as well, because he knows that he's going up against the guy that, he, he, you know, he he's aware that this isn't actually him doing mm-hmm. that. Is it's this mm. thing that he's created? So that obviously adds another layer of like conflict, I guess, yep. for for Peter Parker throughout. Most definitely, and I can definitely see why Raimi wanted him as a villain as well, because like Raimi said, visually he's just he's fantastic, and Raimi does have a lot of fun with Doc Ock. But how yeah. good is that? Like, just that shot when he's like going up. It's it's one of the first ones where you say, I oh, know I'm doing this and we're doing a fucking audio <laughs> podcast and I'm flapping flat my arms about. But it's the one where like he stood up on his back, mm-hmm. metal fucking arms or whatever, and he's that scene, oh, that shot is just like that's that's perfect. There's some, there's some iconic shots in this film. Yeah, for sure. the hospital scene. We will get Ooh. to we will get to it. We yeah. will get to it. That needs its own discussion yeah. alone. It does. Um, but yes, I think he completely works as a villain because uh, I think you boys have already touched on it. You can almost sympathise with him in a way mm. because we know it's the AI that's controlling him, and the the Otto Octavius that we see is a wise, polite, and humane person, just with very bad jokes. Um, but <laughs> he, he also becomes quite a vicious villain too. You know, he has this end goal, this end game in creating this fusion power, but he doesn't care who he goes through in order to get what he wants. He's throwing things at people, whether it be cars, at Peter Parker, and he's sometimes literally just throwing people to get them out of his way i think his performance is up there with willem dafoe and um, they're, they're two very very different characters mm. i think dafoe as green goblin really needed to go large with it uh, whereas it was out- the mask though the mask for the for that one well, was that knocked off too many points for me if, if it was just more of his face yeah. and, and seeing naturally willem dafoe i think he would have probably been maybe the same if not better but yeah. i think that ruined it for me a little bit yes i completely completely agree and um, whereas you know alfred molina could maybe afford to take it down a notch um and still make it work because you know he, he that way you can make doc ock you know a little bit more conniving you know be sadistic and villainous without needing to chew through the scenery and 
You know what? You know, I think they've only Peter Parker and um, Otto. They've only known each other like a day before Otto gets turned into the villain. But in that short space of time, somehow they do a great job of creating this relationship between Otto and Peter. You know, Peter's yeah. meant to have grown up with Norman Osborn. And in the first film, there was like an attempt at like a father-son relationship or something like that, you know. But mm-hmm. I feel like the relationship and the mentorship was stronger between Peter and Definitely. Otto in this film. Because they they, they allow, I'm just repeating what you boys have said, they allow those scenes at the beginning to breathe really and you know Mm. they have them talking about love and and poetry then yes it doesn't propel the film or the plot forward but it strengthens everything else that comes after it character development 100 percent also it's they have this whole sort of understanding i think peter even says like oh i'm a big fan of your work i've read yeah you know your work on oh what was he says it's like nanotechnology or something yeah he says something but he always establishes that he respects him as a scientist before he respects him as a man as well. So, it, that and I guess a lot with Willem Dafoe, it was like his mate's dad, wasn't it? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, continuing at a hospital where <laughs> doctors prepare to surgically remove Octavius's harness without the inhibitor chip, the now sentient arms defend themselves by killing the doctors. Octavius takes refuge at a harbour. Now corrupted by the arms AI, he decides to retry his experiment and robs a bank to fund it. The Daily Bugle dubs the scientist Dr. Octopus. And as I just said, we really have to talk about this sequence, don't we? This is Mm -hmm. peak Sam Raimi playing with all the toys in his toy box. Boys, where do we even start? I, I want Rob to start because I'm sure he's got some audio commentary <laughs> trumpets for us on this. <laughs> audio commentary. Fact. So there's one particular moment that is very ramey and very grim when one of the doctors gets dragged along the floor Ugh. and oh, her yeah. nails bring up the linoleum. Hmm. Lin- linoleum. I can't say it. The floor. <laughs> the lino. <laughs> yeah, the lino. Um, in order to do that, they used a form of soft wax to make it appear like it was the the flooring. And it's just so visceral. Yeah. It's just the the uh, chainsaw moment. A mm-hmm. nice little nod to Evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I swear, wasn't there like a shard of glass going into someone's eye at one point? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very Sam Raimi. He loves the eyes, doesn't he? Well, the whole sequence plays out like a horror movie, doesn't it? You know, oh, it's so, like a B, yeah, like a B movie yeah. horror. It's, so it's a relatively short sequence, but it it's full to the brim of ideas. You know, it's references mm. to loads of horror films in there. Most of them originating from Raimi's own filmography, anyway. Yeah. From the chainsaw yeah. moment, the POV of the arms attacking the doctors as well. You know, it's it's all wonderful, and there's also not a single note of score in that scene we're in that room being forced to you know listen to every scream every crack of the bone and every sound of metal hitting flesh oh it's excellent and considering it's like whatever the rating is on it i guess it was it like a 12a uh, a 12a was mm-hmm. it yeah i mean he did as much as he could with a 12a and that, oh, yeah. that do you not think mm-hmm. like that that had some definite horror vibes going on yeah. it's not gory at all though that's what's um, no clever and I, I like that, that the build-up is really great as well because you know it's coming. You're just mm-hmm. it's like a roller coaster. You're sort of getting to the top of that hill, and you see the boat where the doctor looks up, and the the arm is no longer in the mm-hmm. the sort of winch. 
And he's like, oh, if they put it back up there, then, like, you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. I think the fact that it happens whilst the doc is asleep. Yeah, it's, that's a really a nice unnerving touch. shot, isn't it? Underneath him, mm. with his with eyes closed and his body just yeah. wiggling along. It's yeah. really unnerving. And so great good. storytelling, because mm. it tells you from the off that he doesn't control it. Like, yep. And even just any the doubt. design. Yeah, the design of, like, the, the sort of claw parts of the... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what what would we even call them? The tentacles, arms or tentacles? Yes, yeah. yeah. Like, there's so many moments of that that are just proper horror, like popping up in the corner, opening up all of a sudden, yeah. and and whatever sound design they put behind that, it really worked. It didn't sound like it was. It, sometimes it didn't even sound mechanical. It sounded like there was like some sort of weird shrieking mm-hmm. and and like organic elements in the sound, which just added another layer of like. I guess creepiness, really, mm-hmm. which I never really thought you'd talk about in a Spider-Man film. But um, yeah. Sam Raimi's the man. He's the man. <laughs> yeah, he really is. And also, Colin, with the Daily mm. Bugle naming him Doctor Octopus, we got a comic book reference that surely you picked up on and understood. I did. Yeah, the Doctor Strange one. Oh my god, we've turned you into a geek. It's actually I know, happening. I, know. I was like, yeah, I know, I know, I know who he's talking about. I understand that reference. Yeah, but um, what Rob, you might be able to talk on this with your trumpets, but. <laughs> There must have been a heavy amount of practical effects in this film as well as CGI. Because to me, it's it's held up so well. <laughs> Audio commentary facts. Yes, a lot of the arm shots for the tentacles were practical. There was puppeteer work done. Mm. Obviously in things where you can tell the moments that need CG... But yeah. whenever there were sort of shots of the arms coming in and doing things like putting these glasses on or holding glasses or even just sort of just surrounding him and being active in closer-up shots, they used physical arms. And Alfred Molina nicknamed them after the Three Stooges, so had Curly, Moe, and... Oh, jeez, my brain's gone. Curly, Moe, and I can't what help is you. the other stooge? <laughs> Oh, definitely can't help you, mate. He's Googling Icky it. Pop. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he nicknamed the other one Flo, because that was the name of the puppeteer who did all the sort of close-up mm. motherly things, like putting glasses on and um, nice. that kind of thing. But yeah, they did a lot of practical for uh, that effect. Nice. Um, they also give J.K. Simmons quite a bit more to do in this film, don't they? Um, does he overstay his welcome, or can you never have enough J. Jonah Jameson? No, he doesn't overstay his welcome at all. He's I, brilliant. I, I generally want a petition for a sitcom around the Daily Bugle. I said it in the first bonus. I'm saying it again. More, the more the better, man. That guy's hilarious. The whole thing is like the way he interacts with all of the other workers there, and uh, yeah, I, the more the better. I would say. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, it's a bonus fact. It's a bonus <laughs> fact. He's only got to done it. It's a bonus fact. There's a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, <laughs> which I believe you can watch on YouTube, of J.K. Simmons having a moment where he's in the Spider-Man suit and sort of pretending to do the webbing and things before the suit then gets stolen back again. He's just having a moment of play, pretending to be Spider-Man now that Spider-Man's gone. Brilliant. Which That's nice. shouldn't have been in the film, but it's it's brilliant to watch. Did destroy me uh, at the wedding scene. 
just as uh, Mary Jane, I was skipping ahead a bit, <laughs> runs runs from the altar. And he doesn't make eye contact with his wife. His eyes are purely fixated on the front of the church as he goes, call the caterer. She's like, why? <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. like, tell her to not open the caviar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, I love him. But that that was one of the things about this film that I think has been done so well, and even with the first one, but like they've they've managed to create a world where it feels like every character you meet, no matter how short-lived they are, they're interesting and you kind of want to know more. Yeah. Like there's a bit way back at the beginning of the film where where um, Peter Parker returns home to his apartment and the landlord's like, where's my rent? Mm-hmm. And like you pop into that room for like a, a couple of minutes when the, the girl's like fucking making dinner mm-hmm. and... And like, I'm just like, I want to see more of those guys. Yep. <laughs> and I think there's so many moments of that throughout if this. Promises my, if Promises Were Crackers, my door would be fat. Yeah, exactly. Like, some of the lines is, <laughs> is just great. And and yeah, I mean, I think we spoke on it in the first one. And it's a bit of a cliche to say, but like New York City is such a character for this film in itself. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think it's done so well. Yeah. It's done so well in this. Love it. Continuing on. Mary Jane becomes engaged to astronaut John Jameson, the son of Bugle editor J. Jonah Jameson. Peter suffers an emotional breakdown over his inability to balance his life and loses his powers due to distress. He quits big being Spider-Man, returns to his normal life and unsuccessfully attempts to reconcile with Mary Jane. He also finally confesses to Aunt May the truth about Uncle Ben's death. Aunt May forgives him but the rise in the city's crime rates worries Peter. So now we get like this whole almost, I think it's like 30 to 35 minute stretch of the plot here with no big action set piece, really no large heroics. The film just dedicates itself scene after scene of coming up with different ways to shit on Peter Parker. <laughs> Colin, were you ever bored during this sequences? Did it make you, did it, did it work in making you empathize and feel for Peter or did it, you know, feel, leave the leave the film crying out for like a set piece or an action scene just to liven things back up again. Not at all. Like I think, like seeing the internal struggle that Peter Parker's character goes through is the film to me. Mm. And I think the balance of action to to not action for in this film is is probably closer to what I would enjoy. Mm. I think there's enough action, and when it's done, it's done really, really well. Yeah. But there, but there's never a point where I was getting bored throughout the action sequences. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a few moments where I think maybe about an hour in, it, there was a couple of scenes where I was like, "Oh, this feels like it's sort of starting to mm-hmm. maybe veer in the direction of of something I'm, I'm going to start losing interest in." But no, I would say I definitely wasn't bored at any point, and I wasn't screaming for action mm-hmm. um, because I just thought it was a really good um, look into like, you know, the message of the film is. I think it's quite relatable to most people. Obviously, it's friggin' superhero who loses his powers, but yeah. it's like the the inner message. I think is um is an important one, and and it's they did it well. Yeah, for sure. Rob, did you end up empathising with Peter Parker? I love this film, <laughs> and I lo- I love what they do with with Peter Parker, and and that whole sequence where he gives up. It, it takes a skilled director and performer to pull off that raindrops for falling on my head montage. Yes. Mm-hmm. And have it work. It ends in a freeze frame. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. so well done. <laughs> <laughs> and this is still talked about widely as one of the best comic book films ever. 
and it has oh, that it really? montage yeah. mm, okay. and that freeze frame. And I think those scenes are important because you've had a bit of Aunt May throughout it, but but the, these moments where he's given up is is when it really her importance. And they again they take a moment to stop and to have these amazing character moments, like the scene where he. I think there's one early on as well. Let me go through some Rosemary Harris highlights for me. Yeah. But there's a the scene early on at the party where she tries to give him money, and that always gets to me because I think mm. I've had moments where my parents are trying to lend me money, and I I never like taking money off my parents. And she's like, "It's not much, just take it." And it's such a heartbreaking mm. sort of moment when he knows that she's struggling as well, and then that moment of him telling her because she blames herself doesn't she it's a scene i kind of like forget is there where they're at the grave and she says oh it's my fault because Mm. if i you wanted to get the train if i just let you do that and not told him to take you he'd have been alive and it's like that guilt that peter feels and having that lovely scene he does that whole scene with her, then she just removes her hand. It's so... Her removing yeah, the hands is so powerful. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. yeah, it does so much. And of course, there's the... Um, I really love Rosemary Harris's ability to do a sparing speech. Right, so there's the, the moment where she's finally moving all of her stuff out the house. And she says, um, I believe there's a hero in all of us <laughs> that keeps us honest. Gives us strength, makes us noble, finally allows us to die with pride, even if we have to be steady and give up the things we love the most. Even our dreams, so good. Yeah. Such a good bit of dialogue. And she performs it in such a way that feels, like, genuine. Yeah. And you root for her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's such a great um, performer, and I really like her sort of chemistry with Tobey Maguire in the film. Yeah, for sure, yeah she's wonderful i think this whole stretch of the film it starts off initially pretty comical we get our bruce campbell cameo mm-hmm. groovy which is excellent um but then it's almost like jesus like by the time yeah. it gets to the point of harry slapping peter at that event Mm. and humiliating him in front of everyone. I remember feeling the same in the cinema, and it made me feel the same here. Get ready to laugh, Colin. I got a little glassy-eyed. I think Maguire and Franco play that scene so perfectly, it becomes a genuinely tough scene to watch. No tears left my eyes, but it's definitely an emotional one. Mm. No, I can hear you there, mate. So, uh, moving on. Requiring the isotope tritium... To fuel his reactor, Octavius visits Harry to demand it. Harry agrees in exchange for Spider-Man, whom he still believes is responsible for his father's death. He tells Octavius to seek Peter, who Harry believes is friends with Spider-Man, but tells him not to harm Peter. Octavius locates Peter, tells him to find Spider-Man, and captures Mary Jane. So, Colin, I'll ask the question, the same question I asked in the first film. How did you find Kirsten Dunst's Mary Jane Watson? And as a character too, did they do her justice? Yeah, I think I, th- I think I maybe said in the first one that she was a little too maybe damsel in distress, I might have mm-hmm. said, throughout that one. I think that she 
it was better in this one. Mm-hmm. I think she was better. I think they gave her a bit more to work with. I mean, she made some pretty horrible decisions as a human throughout this one. <laughs> like that poor guy, old John. Yeah. You know, like um but no, I think that I think it was a good build um from the first one and it was a better performance. Yep. Cool. Uh same to you, Rob. Yeah, I agree. I think they gave her out of the three characters, she felt like the one had sort of grown up the most yeah. since the first film. She was a lot. More, she had more agency. She was more sure when she did want something. She was very sure about how she was going to communicate that. Mm-hmm. Even when sort of Peter tries to call her to apologise for being late, and he's that lovely shot, and the moment where he's the yeah the phone cuts out because he can't afford it. Yeah. Even her reactions building up to that moment where she's like talking to the answer machine, like, yeah, well, you had your chance kind of thing. Uh, Yeah, I just think she's got a lot more, I'd like to say strength. I wouldn't say she's Hmm. sure of what she she wants. She clearly (laughs) is a bit mixed up. But in terms of how she she doesn't let people walk over her in it, especially Peter Parker, like, rightly so, she holds him accountable for his shit. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it would feel a little bit too easy to maybe say she was just a damsel in distress in this film, because they do give her a lot to do. And um, Oh, definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think she's still great in the role. You know, I love that Mary Jane is now like a successful actress. You know, in, mm. in terms of the character as well, they didn't go down the easy route of her being with Harry. Um, I think in the hands of like a lesser screenwriter, that maybe would have been the more easy and more obvious angle. I mean, yes, her character, again, by the time the final set piece rolls around, you know, she's chained up and needing to be rescued. You know, Mm. I think it would have been nice just to have that one little moment maybe where she, you know, gives some welly, you know, against Doc Ock, you know, maybe figure out a way to escape or hurt him or damage the reactor, you know, before Spider-Man gets there. But in terms of, you know, performance, I have no issues as well. I think she's a fantastic fantastic actress. And um, Mm -hmm. luckily, she has some really, really nice chemistry with Tobey Maguire that I think is only heightened in this film as well. Cool. I'll tell you what, there was some major fuck eyes going on (laughs) at one point in this film. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was in the beginning when they they meet in their back mm-hmm. gardens, the same back gardens from the first one. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, really, really oh, nice boy. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say that line, man. Oh boy, uh, what? Oh boy, yeah. No, that, that made me laugh. But no, that, if you go back and watch that, um, Kirsten Dunst's got fuck eyes yeah. to the max. Yeah. But then, like, then she's like, "I'm seeing someone." I <laughs> like straight afterwards. You're like, "Oh, okay, great." And Brilliant. then next thing you know, she's getting married to him, but. Go get him, Tiger. Was, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So as Spider-Man and Octavius battle, they fall onto a New York City subway train. Octavius sabotages it and leaves Peter to save the derailing train, which he does at a great physical toll. Octavius captures a weakened Peter and delivers him to Harry. Harry prepares to kill Spider-Man only to be shocked to see Peter under the mask. Peter convinces Harry to direct him to Octavius's lair as bigger things are at stake. Now, in my intro, I mentioned that this film might contain the best, in my opinion, best action set piece ever in a comic book movie. And yes, it was the subway train scene I was talking about. Is it hyperbole? Am I just exaggerating or could I be right? I think you could be right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of what you guys have seen, so I'm only... I can only speak on where I'm at in the my sort of journey through superhero movies. But 
it's by far one of the most memorable. Mm. Like that that final image of him at the front of that train with all the webs, yeah, and his masks off and all the people in the back. Yeah, it's it's great. Rob, Rob, you've got to have some commentary <laughs> facts for this one, in you? Um, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe I do. I want to know your opinion yeah. as well. All right. Well, I'll give my opinion first, and I'll uh, <laughs> save my lungs for the trumpet in a minute. <laughs> I do love this sequence. It, the, it was the only thing in the sort of two point one version of the film that they did that I felt the extra footage was actually quite good. There was just a load of little extra moments of Peter having to save people and things being a bit closer to the, you know. Okay. More people were put in harm's way, which I guess is, once you've put two people in harm's way, do you need any more? Mm. But there's just a few little more ac- action beats in the in the um, sequence. In terms of other action sequences in comic book films, I, I honestly can't think of anything. My mind's gone completely blank. <laughs> In terms of what could be better. Yeah, like the fact that he, he tries out like two or three things before he realizes how to do it. Yep. And he has that, and you know that the time is ticking because the train's about to hit mm-hmm. the. It's like, yeah, it's great. It's, you know. I can think of a few, but I'm not sure if we can mention them. Yeah, I mean, mm. in terms of where we are at the moment, it's up there with yeah. the, the Battle of New York sequence from Avengers, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, there were some moments in Civil War. I, I liked the the last one when it was the free <laughs> those three going out. That's got to be up there for me. But that might just be sort of recency bias because I'm thinking of ones that I've watched over the last few weeks. But it was great. Yeah, there's been some great ones though. It's not like a it's not a standout winner for mm-hmm. me. And I'm not. I'm sure I've got plenty more to come as well. Plenty so. more to come. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was hoping that would happen. Audio commentary facts. So as mentioned earlier, Toby Maguire's brothers were the two boys who give back his mask at the end of the scene. Um, so that, how that come about was they visited the set and Toby Maguire asked Sam Raimi if they could have parts. And Raimi was m- very happy to oblige and um, joked that they changed the scripted lines that um, they were given. And also commented how that's something that Toby Maguire would often do. And Toby jokes, it's in the blood. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Also a Joey Diaz cameo. Yes. On the train. Very odd. Um, But (laughs) yeah, he pops up in a couple of things every now and then. Oh, Joey. (laughs) So they battle again as the nuclear reaction starts threatening the city. Peter reveals his identity and persuades Octavius to let his dream go for the greater good. Octavius commands the tentacles to obey him and sacrifices himself to destroy the experiment. Peter Jane sees Peter's true identity, which he says is why they cannot be together. So, Colin, has Sam Raimi used all of his tricks in his book by the time we reach this final battle? Uh, does it have the same impact as the final fight scene, let's say, between like Green Goblin and Spider-Man at the end of the first film? I don't know if it has the same impact as as the, the final fight scene when, when it's... Um... Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin, because I think that was really like where the film peaked for mm. me. Um, and I think after that train sequence, you know, it's like that was sort of the the peak, I yeah. guess. But it, I, it didn't get to a point where I was like, I'm not interested anymore. I found it all very, I was still engaged. I was still enjoying mm-hmm. it still. But, you know, like 
dynamically i think it needed to come down a bit because you then you're then you're falling into this like okay we get it chill yes. out you know yeah um i agree rob any thoughts on this final fight scene yeah i think it needed to be short and sweet really mm. i think the battle was more for the differences with with norman is that there's no sort of pleading with him for his that yeah there's any soul to save at this point but he knows that otto is a is a good man so he he the battle becomes for his his soul really doesn't mm-hmm. it and and for his humanity and i think that's much more interesting than having it be that he beats him yeah physically yep but i love the whole like listen to me now <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a slightly partridge it was a little partridge uh rob great minds think alike because i'll admit the yes no this fight scene isn't as good as the subway fight scene but it's not trying to be you know i've got it literally noted here as well this scene is about the redemption of otto octavius you know who after realizing what he's done in his own words he says he will not die a monster so this sequence really works for me i really like the reveal of mary jane finding out about peter i think kirsten dunce plays that moment wonderfully Mm. where everything sort of clicks Mm. speaking of um there's a lot of people in this film that kind of hint that they know that peter is spider-man am i going crazy like you got that dude at the daily bugle who gives Peter a really yeah. weird look when talking about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I heard Spider-Man was there. Yeah. It's like, yeah. he has his, um, he has his suspicions, I think, but is it just me or is the film also hinting that Aunt May might be clued up or have her suspicions as well? I think so. Does she know or not? It's the way that she sort of just randomly brings up, um, yeah, me and Henry both love Spider-Man. Mm, we wish he'd yeah. come back. We don't see him as much That's as tough. we used to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I also like I also remember when I watched the first Spider-Man the first time, I thought by the end of it Kirsten, uh, Mary Jane kind of already knew because they can't, they do hint at that quite a bit, but then I found in this in this one even though towards the end she's like, "Oh, there's a part of me that always mm. knew," but yeah, it felt a little inconsistent to me in this okay. one because there were a lot of moments throughout where y- if she had some sort of inkling, then why wouldn't she have ever brought it up to Tobey Maguire? Oh, sorry, to Peter Parker when they're having these deep conversations about why why they should or shouldn't be together. Like to me, if if you've got that inkling, then bring it up. Yeah, it's true. I love her gasp, like you said, like the performance moment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that was great. Yeah, where she just it all becomes clear and it's like a weight's lifted off her like oh it's not because he doesn't love me it's yeah. because he loves me very much mm-hmm. it's um it's because he loves me is the reason yeah, we're not exactly. together yeah it's a, and i love the little comedy moment as well when he's holding the building up and he's like hi this is really <laughs> this heavy, is heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah love it love it love it meanwhile harry is visited by a vision of his father in a mirror pleading for harry to avenge his death Enraged, Harry shatters the mirror, inadvertently revealing a secret room containing his father's green goblin equipment. On her wedding day... Oh, okay, over to you. <laughs> Audio commentary facts. I've got to find it now. <laughs> <laughs> when filming the scene in which Peter is buying flowers to give to MJ, it's in sort of the montage leading up to him going to try and get to the cinema before cinema the theater before we see bruce campbell 
um, Willem Dafoe was walking home um, to his apartment and bumped into them all and said, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's my best uh, Dafoe. Um, and it was actually that chat when he was chatting to Raimi and the crew and he said, oh, I love, you know, he was talking about how much he loved the being involved in the first film. And they then wrote into the script a way to have him involved in the second film. Mm. And that's purely because he bumped into him. I love that. I love that. Carrying on. On her wedding day, Mary Jane abandons John at the altar and runs to Peter's apartment. After they kiss, they hear police sirens. and Mary Jane encourages him to go help as Spider-Man. Colin, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure you've already seen Spider-Man 3, but I know it's probably been a long, long, long time. Mm, very long time. So does this leave you pumped to see Franco returning as a villain this time? No, because I remember seeing Spider-Man 3 in the cinema and not enjoying it <laughs> at all. But that was a long time ago, yeah. and I've I've rewatched films, you know, hmm. uh, from that far back and had a completely different opinion on it. So, uh, I, I mean, honestly, I think if... This sort of this end part, or, or mainly the the Harry Osborne throwing the mirror and finding the little, mm-hmm. I feel like that was a bit too much. Mm-hmm. I think they could have played that more like a sort of post credit scene where it's like a little bit more of a we're going to leave you thinking about that more than actually this showing is exactly this is, what's coming yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, I see that, um, and. <laughs> And I don't know what they did when when Mary Jane's running away from the wedding, but she looked like she was glowing. It's like that kind of like that dreamy. Confused. I can remember seeing it in the cinema, yeah. and it confusing me, being like, "Oh, it's a dream." Yeah, it, it just mm. seemed a little unusual, and I don't really know what they were trying to make us think with that. Mm. Um, but again, oh. here we go. Rob knows audio commentary facts. Help us, Rob. So that was the brainchild of Laura Ziskin who is one of the producers on the film and originally Raimi was going to have it that you realise that she had where she was when it's obvious where she was when she don't turn up at the wedding but it was originally going to be you know the J. Jonah moment of cancel the caviar mm-hmm. um, and then cut to Peter in his room and her being revealed behind him without the running mm. sequence um, but Raimi fell in love with it once they shot it it wasn't one of his ideas that was uh, storyboarded or anything like that, but he, he went with it to sort of um, appease the producer, I guess, and then just fell in love with it, really liked it as the, as a shot. Interesting. And Rob, that last shot of Mary Jane watching Peter swing mm. away, it's an interesting mm. one performance-wise, isn't it? It's quite non-orthodox it. when it comes to ending a superhero film, that being our final frame. It reminds me of The Graduate. Yes. You know how... I don't know if you've seen The Graduate, Colin. No, I haven't. No. Well, I'm going to spoil the end of The Graduate. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> um, so there's this big, long build-up of, you know, will she give up everything? And she's, again, at a wedding when a lead character sort of bursts in and declares their love and convinces her to run away with him and, and not get married. And they run onto the nearest bus and they're sat at the back of the bus. And it's a two-shot of both of them. And they're both looking elated to start off with but then there's that moment of the smile dropping and now what mm. and that's what this does so perfectly that she's got the you know, it's this big punch the air moment he's like triumphantly swinging through the city and it just cuts back to her like oh 
I'm in love with Spider-Man. And I've yeah. also just like ran out on a yeah. wedding. <laughs> Have I made the right decision? Yeah, it's a wonderful. Um, and then meanwhile, Peter Parker's fucking like, like yelling and whooping and shit. Yeah, he's oblivious. He's always whooping yeah. throughout this film. Yeah, he loves yeah. it. Yeah, I, I really, really, really find that last shot really interesting. I love it very much. Um, anything else you boys want to discuss? Have I missed anything out? Any other cameos I may have missed? There are. A fair few cameos in this mm. film, so I'm going to go through some of the lesser ones. Um, fans of Community might have noticed Joel McHale yes. as the um, person who works in the bank. Got to be pre-hair transplant. I or did something, think that. Right? Yeah. He's, he's probably. Yeah, had... I, I was like, he's yeah, he's had some work yeah. done. Hasn't he? That gold coin he nicked went towards <laughs> yeah. uh, paying for some yeah. new, uh, <laughs> yeah. follicles. Exactly. <laughs> Um, there's also this is a very very um, deep uzat as um, we like to say on our other podcasts um, the actor that is playing alongside Mary Jane in The Importance of Being Earnest did you recognise him? no no so he plays Terry Crawley who is very prominent in the pilot episode of The Shield Oh, he's oh, the one they kill the at the agent. end. Oh, I'd yep. have to go back and watch the pilot. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Interesting. Mm. So, yeah, I spotted him today, and I was like, I know him. <laughs> I had to look it up. Um, but I think the cameo that you was referring to is Excelsior. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a quick a one, was very quick it? one. Yeah, well, it wasn't always going to be that way. Oh. Um, so Trumpets? In this... What's that? <laughs> I thought trumpets were coming. I thought you... Oh, <laughs> okay. no, no, no. Um, so I did a bit of additional research on this one that didn't involve... Actually, I got this fact from IMDB fact. <laughs> IMDB fact. It's got a melody to it, okay. So he was seen saving a woman <laughs> from falling rubble during the Spider-Man vs. Doc Ock the first fight that they have mm-hmm. involving um, Rosemary Harris. Um, originally, he was going to be the he stole that guy's pizza guy from the opening. That line really made me laugh, by the way. It's a great line, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine Stan doing it, <laughs> but I'm kind of yeah. glad that he was a bit dialed back. So, yeah, talking about that scene as well where the first fight with um, Spider-Man and Doc Ock, when... Uh, Aunt May has been kidnapped. Hmm. Audio commentary fact. I won't do all my audio commentary facts. I can see George panicking. <laughs> Rosemary Harris did all of her own wire work for the film. Hmm. Um, so she she Impressive. didn't want a stunt person. She said... Um, <laughs> She famously said, and Raimi looked back on this fondness, she said, I want to fly again, Sam. <laughs> and would often uh, want to redo the takes just so that she could do it. And um, her husband come to watch as they sort of land in the street at the end of that scene. And apparently he, he would just sort of have panic attacks and couldn't watch I and bet. cover his eyes constantly <laughs> for fear that his sort of thrill-seeker <laughs> wife was going <laughs> to fall to her death. Was it ever mentioned in any of the commentaries? I think I read this earlier on that 
from that beginning sequence where Peter's trying to deliver the pizza, he throw as he's saving those kids from that truck or something or the bus or whatever, he throws mm, yeah, the pizzas yeah, yeah. on that um uh, balcony and a guy is about to take a slice and he webs it out of his hand. Yeah, is that yeah. one of the screenwriters or one of the producers? It's Sam Spiegel is his name. Right. And he works a lot with with um Sam yes. Raimi. I believe he was in a lot of his earlier films. And it's like an old friend. Well then there you But the thing about Raimi is hmm. he seems like in everything I've seen him in, and, and and just the way he talks in general, you just get a sense that he's a very, very nice guy, and he's very giving. Mm. What I um, took away from the audio commentary fact was that Sam Raimi gives many of his storyboard artists the chance to be second unit directors. Mm. And he said, it's hard enough getting a shot as a director in Hollywood and for someone to give you a chance. So he always tries to give storyboard artists or, or people involved in the production a chance to shoot a second unit chunk of the film so they have that credit and can go into it if they need to and have got more Love sort that. Of kudos, I more guess. Bless you, Mr. Raimi. Mm. So yeah, he's lovely. let's maybe jump in to our ratings of the film. So, Colin, do you want to start? What are we giving Spider-Man 2 out of five? Four and a half. Mm, very, very good. Very high. Maybe uh, joint with Avengers and... Is that it? Guardians. Guardians, yeah. Okay, I don't know how I would have felt if you gave this a five and you'll give your first film to a non-MCU film. Um, yeah, no, I think the only thing that really knocked it back was just the few little... It's sort of that, that little ending bit that, with the the Harry, Harry Osborne. Mm-hmm. There was a few other bits in there, but, I mean, 4.5 is a good score. a cracking man. score. Like, yeah. <laughs> Especially when we know how high in regards to you a five is. So, yes, most definitely. Mm, yeah. um, Robert Trott, out of five not asking you what are you out of five? Oh, five. <laughs> we know maybe. we know that's a five. But Spider-Man 2 out what's that out of five? Um for me I've said before that I think a, a five out of five goes to a film that you have no issues with that you you just love. There's nothing about it that you hate. And for me to still love this film despite the little plot contrivances and and the things that don't add up and the holes is this in the logic. First five? It's not the first. Is it not? Okay. No, I'm giving it a five. Nice. I gave previously. I gave Captain America: Winter Soldier a five. Oh, it's good. Oh shit. Okay. I don't remember you giving that a five. I thought it would have been a bit more buzz to hear a five. <laughs> but. But yeah, this is George is obviously a five George me. is giving it a five. Of course he is. That's not, that's, that's not of course he is. Him. He gave Iron Man three a five. This should be a six. This should be a <laughs> It's a pure comic book movie through and through. We have an amazing villain, some really nice arcs. Mm. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. In the first movie, is obviously an important line of dialogue, but that one line is the arc of this film. It is Peter's mm-hmm. arc in this sequel, as he pretty much throws away his powers and decides to live a life, not a Spider-Man, but only to find that New York is maybe not not that great without him. It's a sacrifice. And he does it to Uncle Ben. Exactly. Yes. Uh, it's a sacrifice, sure. Um, 
as well, you know, going back to being Spider-Man. And as we see at the end, Mary Jane sort of realizes that too. This is known to be a classic for a reason. Uh, yeah, it's a five. I think it had to be. It's, it's a stunning film. So during our little toilet break earlier on, Rob mentioned he's not as confident about this week's trivia. Oh. So I think it's time for the trivia section. Let's go. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. I'm not too sure about mine either. I'm not even I'm oh, I'm not even entirely sure as to whether it is trivia. I'm sure it is. Of course, yeah, you know, I take that back. It is. So who's going first? <laughs> you sound so, so confident, no, the, George. Yeah. You're, you're running through the head. I, through you head literally the definition of trivia is. <laughs> you there's no filter with my brain. You just hear all the confidence and doubt all go in and out of each other within thirty Everything, seconds. Yeah. Ah, so um, you can go I, first. I believe George. in you, George. I believe Thank in you. you. Does that mean I'm? Have does that mean confidence. I'm going first, or you're going first, mate? Yeah, because last time I did my whole tirade of audio commentary, and you had to come up with a different one. So it's only fair. Yeah, you, you, you go, go first. first. Okay. Thank you very, very much. So, um, along with um, when this film was released. Uh, they thought Sony thought it would be a good idea to actually do a novelization of the film as well. Mm. And uh, but I think they released it at the same time that the film was released as well. They showed this um, novel um, writer the the film and the script, and they said, but we want you to go more in-depth, have fun with it. Sam Raimi helped a little bit along the way as well, and just provide that extra depth. And in a lot of the scenes, um, ch- sorry, chapters in the book as well. You can actually hear the internal monologues of different characters as well. And I read mm. this trivia before watching the film, and I found it actually changed my viewing experience of the film. So I've, I've noted here a couple of things that are in the book and see if it maybe changes your perception on different things within Spider-Man 2 as well. So little things like when um, Dr. Octavius otto octavius first tries to do his fusion reactor experiment and it all goes wrong and then suddenly you know peter vanishes and then spider-man turns up that scene is told from the perspective of harry osborne and when he sees spider-man turns up his brain he's so consumed with vengeance it doesn't go to spider-man's here to help he's like spider-man caused this so it does a nice little flip on that scene as well Mm. there's a moment where you know doc ock is hanging um aunt may from the from the roof of that building and just as he drops her he's actually thinking he's doing her a favor because she's such an old and just just elderly woman that he thinks he's actually doing her a favor by giving her a quick death as he resents the idea of people having slow and painful deaths uh, deaths as they become elderly and things like that um little things like bruce campbell's usher actually had a name he's called waldo i think that i don't know why that tickled me <laughs> um, uh, but that scene initially played longer i guess in the script than it does in the novelization as well it gets to the point where peter becomes so enraged by him he webs waldo's um foot to the floor but then as he walks in mary jane is receiving her standing ovation and she sees peter actually come in right at the end instead of it being an empty seat throughout it all as well 
Um, mm. And I do have a couple more. Uh, Mary Jane's parents have actually split up since the first film. Um, she's only, When they meet at the um, garden at the beginning of the film, she's there just visiting her mum. Her dad has just vanished while she's giving him the fuck eyes and things like that. But then <laughs> um, the Doc Ock's tentacle arms... Um, you hear them talk to Doc Ock throughout the whole novel as well. They're always telling mm. him what to do and things like that. And interestingly, they all call him father as well, which I think is a really, really uh, interesting yeah. little note. Um, and at the end, when Doc Ock um, is drowning um, as he as he dies, uh, it, he actually drowns in the water. It, the water is also superheated because of the fusion reactor being in the water as well. So it kind of boils mm. him alive at the same time. And a second, just before he dies, he obviously he's not wearing his protective goggles anymore, as we kind of see in the film as well, as he floats away. He stares into the um, fusion reactor as it's in the water as well. And it boils his eyeballs and liquefies them as well. Nice. So um, <laughs> there's no way I think Sam Raimi could have maybe got away with that. So yeah, little yeah. Um, little things in the novel. Not if it's a 12 yeah, in, in the novelization of Spider-Man 2. be quite interesting huh. to read it. Um, but yeah, it, it added, yeah. Uh, added a couple of little bits to the film. That is cool. And we kind of didn't really touch much on the fact that, you know, um, Dr. Octopus literally kills himself at the end to, to of course. save. I think that was yeah, a really I good for- bit. And whatever they do, man, you can't bring him back. You can't bring back Doc Ock in the MCU. And mm-hmm. if they do, it's got to be the same dude acting. I mean, well, that, that, it would be strange if they did weird. anyway, yeah. but mm. just please tell me they haven't done because nothing would surprise uh, me. The villains in... The villains Honestly. in Spider-Man, they are ve- they they do them very carefully, um, and okay, uh, I won't say any more because there's some there's some nice villains coming up when it comes to Spider-Man. Okay, uh, but I will also say there was a lovely little moment in the novelization. I actually read that chapter. I found like a a PDF of it online of when hmm. um, he's um, first doing the fusion reactor uh, experiment as well. Christ, is this a fact or a podcast? Oh, I know. Hey, Jesus, man. This is, pop- a bonus hey, episode, oh, this isn't is it? trivia. You want trivia. Um, but also, mm, along with coffee. all of the, the journalists there watching the experiment as well, is there is a scientist called Hank Pym. And when... Who's done that? Was that Colin? <laughs> I haven't won this one then, have I? He's fucking <laughs> snoring throughout it. Oh, I'm so offended. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, come on, mate. This is the trivia section. I mean, let's, let's like keep it to a few minutes. All right, all right. So Hank Pym's there, and when when shit Sweet. starts going down, Harry notices that suddenly he's not there, and then yeah, he wonders how he he wonders maybe, how he got away so quick. And obviously, he's fucking Ant Man. There's my trivia. It's too long. Fuck you. Go on, Rob. Maybe maybe we could uh, order you the book, and then we'll do a bonus episode where you just read the book. To yeah, everyone. probably be yeah, shorter than my trivia then. He'll be like, it was published by Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good, man. Ah, thanks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go? Don't sound so I, um, defeated because that was really yeah, good trivia. It just you Colin, just banged you snored on too much. It. Let's be. I, no, I snored after five <laughs> minutes of you giving us the trivia. It's like you gave us 70 examples of bits from the book. We get oh. it, man. The book's cool. The trivia's cool. Rob, it's your turn. Oh. Let's go. Cool. Um, so, as we discussed He's never earlier, been more confident giving trivia. Because he knows <laughs> I fucked it. Go on, sorry. So, our, one of our dear listeners gave us the opportunity to discuss films and things that were meant a lot to us growing up. And I said, I loved Superman and Superman 2. And it would seem... 
that I wasn't a, alone in that because Sam Raimi discussed at length how much the work of both Richard Donner and Richard Lester on those first two films, but especially uh, Richard Donner, had a profound effect on him in terms of how he wanted to approach um, making a comic book film. And you can see that in the first Spider-Man. You can even see that in Dark Man, his, um, his own comic book hero that he made before that, the before being given Spider-Man. Um, but there are many comparisons that could be made to Superman 2, the Christopher Reeve film. Have you seen the film, Colin? I haven't. No. Oh, well, this may fall <laughs> slightly flat. <laughs> well, as long as you keep it under five minutes and I don't fall asleep, I think you're all good, mate. Cool. So it's a film that Raimi himself says he loves. Um, it mainly focuses on Superman craving a normal life. He, mm. he realises that he can't be with um, you know, Lois and have her be safe, and he just wants a human life with her. So he reaches out to his father figure, much like um, Peter does with Uncle Ben, and gives up his powers, much like Peter does in this film. So once he has that chance to give that up, the whole film is about the, the struggle. Why are you laughing at, George? <laughs> George, I don't know, I think you missed it, but George did start snoring into the microphone. I did miss it. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. sorry. But I'm, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm in, I'm really I'm in. enjoying it, mate. You carry on. So there were many other moments within Spider-Man 2 that, um, that harken back to and, and sort of hint at Superman as a, as a uh, influence. There's a moment where... Um, Peter does the classic ripping open the shirt to reveal the the Spider-Man logo before he you know, takes off after uh, Mary Jane's performance. Even the opening title sequence um, that was de- lovingly designed by Alex Ross, who's a famous comic book artist, recapping that first film and sort of reminding audiences that of really everything nice, that's come More films before. should do that. Yeah, I agree. That yeah, was really nice. But that is something that Superman 2 does as well. When you're watching Superman 2, he has, you know, the credits are flying past the screen, but you also have these sort of, um, just sort of video snippets of the first mm. film to sort of bring you back up to where we were um, at the end of that film. And it just really interests me how those 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 films are sort of obviously influenced um, Sam Raimi and sort of bled into he, how he approached a sequel um, himself. I like that, mate. That one woke me up a little bit, actually. I've been a little sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Rob, you get the point, mate. Ooh. Oh, I actually did like George's trivia. I was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. It banged on a little bit. I I admit it. Fine. But, um. (laughs) They were both good. And you both said that you weren't confident, but I don't know why, because I thought they were both solid trivias. To uh, round this off, do you want a little bonus trivia? This one's short, I I promise. Yeah, and it was going to be my trivia until I found, like, details that they released a novel. An essay. Now I'm realising I fucked up. So, um, (laughs) when Jonah Jameson offers the scruffy man $50 for the Spider-Man costume he found, he replies, I could get more for it on eBay. Well, actually, in 2001, four Spider-Man costumes were actually stolen from the set of the first Spider-Man film whilst they were filming it. They were eventually uh, recovered 18 months after they first went missing. Um, There was a massive investigation into it, and it resulted in the arrest of a former 
movie studio security guard and one of his accomplices. Columbia Pictures offered a $25,000 reward for information leading to the return of the costumes and movie memorabilia experts actually estimated at the time each costume was valued at around $50,000 each. That was good trivia, man. I oh, that one. Sake. Should have gone with that, maybe. Should have definitely gone with that. Audio commentary bonus. Audio commentary <laughs> facts. <laughs> it sounded like that got away with you for a little bit. It did a little bit, yeah. We should explain, right, to the listeners that my microphone is barely functioning. <laughs> so in order to do this podcast, I have to have a delay on. So I hear what I say twice. <laughs> it's a wonder I say anything at all <laughs> with any kind of clarity. <sighs> so shove your shit trivia up your ass and let me get on with me audio commentary. <laughs> See, this is why I love the trivia. Eventually it just brings out so this. Hostile. It brings up the rage. This a this oh, anger. Man. George is just defeated right yeah. now. He's a defeated yeah. man yeah. after his... Yeah, I, 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 I got halfway that. through my trivia and even I'm like, I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to melt your eyes out with I the did. fusion reactor. Uh. <laughs> um, early drafts of the script had Black Hat play a part, who is sort of like Spider-Man's love interest. If Mary oh. Jane is Peter Parker's, Black Hat is Spider-Man's. Um, but they felt that they needed to make room to focus on Dr. Octopus. And similarly, which I thought was quite a interesting fact, that Dr. Octopus was originally going to be in the original film. And they did the same there. They cut him out to allow focus on uh, Green Goblin. Hmm. Additionally, when filming the backyard scene with all of the fuck eyes, loads of the neighbourhood kids swarmed to, um, to meet toby Maguire, and they're all wearing spider-man outfits mm. and sort of giving him pictures of things and he stayed there for hours and uh, sam raimi said that he admired how how long mm. toby Maguire stayed to sign autograph for the kids can we go to bed yet <laughs> yeah. oh you can talk blooming <laughs> novelization you've already got the point rob <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's listening to free commentaries and he's panicking that he's not being able to get his worth on this episode. I've not watched six hours worth of Spider-Man <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2 this week for nothing. <laughs> we, we need a solo Rob audio commentary from Spider-Man 2 episode. I'm brilliant but lazy. Come on, Rob, one more. Bring it home. Yep, this is the last one, mate. Okay, Willem Dafoe played a prank on Alfred Molina. He didn't know that he was going to cameo in the film at all. Alfred Molina was brought onto set to see uh, Willem Dafoe wearing the Doc Cock um, tentacles. Um, for a moment, thought that he'd be replaced. They realised it was Willem Dafoe and found it very funny. And I think you could watch that on the Blu-ray. And it's on YouTube as well. Yeah. We will put it in the Sweet. episode description. So yes, let's bring it home. Thank you everyone for listening to our bonus episode number two. Uh, if you haven't already, please review or rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. It all helps. So I'm not really going to set up the next episode. We're still on track. We're still on schedule to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 for you all. Will Colin get his first 
five star rated film we shall see but then in a couple of weeks we will have spider-man three for you as well so colin say bye goodbye rob say bye bye stay safe stay well and stay nerdy everyone bye got away from you a bit that didn't it next time we meet let it be in peace and friendship this is as far as you're going to get tonight such valuable stuff all in a nice work sweet dreams of a friend